You want to win more trials, and I want you to stop worrying so damn much about winning trials. Simple. So I'm hosting an all-day training where we can both get what we want. Join me for a live virtual masterclass that will teach you my method for voir dire for less than the cost of that cheap suit you bought in law school. Register to attend live at sorryswears.com forward slash VD. Sorryswears.com forward slash VD. I'll be showing you elements of the H2H method that will blow your fucking mind. Sign up to learn with me on September 28th. See you there. You're listening to the From Hostage to Hero podcast, episode number 227. When you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, hello, everybody. We are opening soon in the crew, so make sure you get on the wait list at sorryswears.com forward slash play. You definitely want to come and play in the H2H playground. All right, today we're talking about the sneaky way defense points show up in your funnels. And if you're like, what the hell is a funnel? Then you've not yet gone to sorryswears.com and taken our free course, or you can go straight to, in case it's not on there, sorryswears.com forward slash training, because I know sometimes they change things when we're about to launch uh, the H2H Playground. And there you'll find a 16-minute video that will walk you through what a funnel is. It is a way for you to get the jury to give you the principles in your case rather than the other way around, which is what we normally do, right? Even if we're talking about principles, which we normally aren't. (laughs) But we're saying things and then asking whether a jury believes it or doesn't. And all the social science will tell us that that is no way to motivate a group to do anything. There's no personal investment in that. So what the funnel does is it helps you our whole voir dire process, I should say, helps you identify what your principles are. And then once you have your principles, you put it at the bottom of a funnel. And the meaning of the funnel is we start with bigger questions at the beginning. We funnel down by asking a series of questions until finally the juror gives us the principle. Now, one of the things that we say in the funneling process is that you never wanted to funnel a defense point. Meaning we never want to get the jury to tell us something that a defense-oriented juror would say or that defense would say and then somehow go, and that's wrong, right? We always want to, to funnel only plaintiff points. And I think most of you understand that. But here is the issue, is that they're still getting in there. I, and I've been noticing this with, with the crew in the playground, is that we're getting what I call these kind of defense-oriented or tinged funnels where they're not so easy to play with. And when I started looking at why, why are we having so much trouble trying to create this funnel? I realized that what we were doing is funneling a defense point, at least kind of somewhat energetically. Now, here's why this is so important. What we focus on, we make important. So the reason why I'm doing today's podcast is I want to be really, really 
careful to not instruct you or to inadvertently instruct you, I should say, to to follow our voir dire process and then you end up with a defense-oriented funnel. What do I mean by that? Well, in our, our process, what we have you do is we have you start with your fears list, right? What are all the things that are problems in your case? Now, most of those things are things the defense are gonna say, right? Pre-existing conditions, brain injury should have healed by now, car didn't have that much damage, you know, all the things we see in plaintiff cases all the time, plus whatever else your other fears are. But you have this big, long fears list. And then we say, go with every fear and ask yourself a particular question. And here's the question. What would a juror have to believe, our ideal juror, the one that we create in our mind, for this no longer to be a fear for us? It it negates or nullifies that fear. Meaning if this flew out of their mouth, I'd be like, all right, that's a good juror for me. Now, in that process, I think that there is a way that the defense tentacles still kind of are touching our plaintiff principle. And you were like, what the fuck are you trying to say? Sorry, just get to the point. Okay, I'm going to get to the point. So here's an example. So let's say in your case, a defense point is, you know, this person looks normal, so they don't have a a brain injury. Maybe that's not even a defense point because normally they don't have enough balls to come out and say that, but they're going to hint, they're going to suggest all the things, right? If, if, if anything, your jurors are going to maybe think that when they see a brain injured person and they look normal. And so it's just on your fears list, for example. And it, of course, helps the defense if the jurors believe this. So what I've seen happen is when you're trying to come up with the principle, you're, you're doing things like, People can look normal if they have a brain injury. Now, I want to draw your attention to the specific word there. It's can. Just notice the energetic tinge there. It has a slight tinge of argument. And that's what I really want you to draw your attention to in this podcast. Are are your principals attempting to argue with a defense point? Because the minute that we we have a principle that is argumentative, what we've done is energetically given juice to the defense point. Here's what I mean. Again, going back to the principle of what we focus on, we make important. One of the reasons why we don't want to spend, for example, in our opening a big long time on the challenges section, or as David Ball calls it, the undermining the defenses section, is if that is our longest, biggest section, we have now told the jury just by how long that section is that that is really important and that they should spend a lot of time thinking about the things the defense is going to tell them, right? We've inadvertently said, look here. This is so important. We took all this time in the opening to talk about why it's not true. It does the opposite for us. Just the way our brains are wired. The more time we spend on something, the more attention we give something, the more we think it's important. That's just across the board. Look up brain science. It backs me up on this. So the minute that we have a principle that sounds argumentative, we are inviting this kind of like, we kind of like two magnets, right? This pull of I'm arguing with something, meaning I'm legitimizing this thing by arguing with it, right? I know we don't want this to be true. Those of us 
who argue with people on Facebook who are stupid idiots. But it's true, and I have to listen to Kevin and just stop doing that because I'm not going to change anybody's mind. But I legitimize inadvertently the stupid-ass, awful arguments that I see on Facebook by engaging with them. Why? I'm saying, this is worth my time. This is worth my intellect. And it's not. Same thing goes here. So you have to look as you're creating your your plaintiff principles, are they firmly able to stand on their own or are they coming from an argumentative place? Because if they're coming from an argumentative place, then it is giving even if it's just a little, that's too much. It's giving credence to the defense point in the first place. For example, one of the ones I hear all the time are in brain injury cases are uh, brain injuries um, are real. <laughs> like, yeah, well, who the fuck's saying they're not? Oh, the defense in this case, right? It sounds argument. It sounds like a five-year-old. That's not a true plaintiff principle. So for example, in this one, you know, person looks normal. You know, people can look normal. If they have a brain injury, no, right? That's kind of the, the, the sense I'm getting. And I would rewrite that to people with brain injuries often look normal. Notice how that just stands on its own. There isn't a hint of, I'm not arguing with anyone. I have merely made a statement that literally no one could argue with. No one, the defense, nobody could argue with that. People with brain injuries often look normal. Notice just that little word can and the phrasing made it sound argumentative. Here's another example. So let's uh, stay on brain injuries. Let's say defense point is, most brain injuries resolve, right? So that's what they're going to say. And the fact that the plaintiff is saying this one hasn't and she's malingering and all the things, right? So you might be tempted to create a principle that says a TBI can be a lifelong debilitating injury. <laughs> Notice the word can again. It's kind of an energetic word of argument. You know, it can be, you know, lifelong. It has this tinge of I'm trying to argue or make a point. Where a true plane of principle, again, I've said this to you many, many times, you stand on the side of the right. You do not need to argue your point. You do not need to persuade. You do not need to influence. There are things that you need to do. Listen next week when I talk about why the jury isn't properly outraged. There are things you can do to motivate them to act. But your plane of principles stand alone because they're true and they're amazing. They do not need to be simply an argument to what the defense is saying. Yes, in the H2H Wadir method, we have you start there to get you thinking, right? Here's what they're going to say. Here's what our perfect juror would say. But you have more work to do than just plucking those out of your what we call ideal juror profile and saying, here's my new principle. You have to go through this extra step, which, yes, I've just discovered we need. So sorry. But I'm going to tell you when I discover the things, you have to go through this extra step to make sure it's not an argumentative principle that it can stand on its own. Here's another one. Defense point might be, this is due, whatever you're talking about, to pre-existing injury, whatever it might be in your case, right? That's what they're going to point out. That's what they're going to they're going to talk about. So you might be tempted to write a plaintiff principle or an answer to that is a person can be injured again, even if they were injured before in the same place. 
Okay, now we have two energetic words in there. Can you can you identify them? Shout them out at me, even though I'm not here listening, but I am. I'm listening. Really, if you're in the car, just shout them out. What are the two words? You got, you're so right. You are so smart. The first one is can, and the second one is even. Listen to it. A person can be injured again, even if they were injured before in the same place, right? If you try to read something snarky that kind of, and it works, that's kind of a clue to you that it's got too much of an argumentative edge. So I might rewrite it this way. This isn't great. I was, this was the last thing I wrote before I <laughs> came and podcasted. If I thought about this more, I would do a better one. But here's the basic gist. If someone has been injured years ago, the damage is often greater than when greater when they're injured again. Right? I'm not arguing. I'm just saying. Listen, if yeah, if somebody was injured years ago and you injure that spot again, it could be even worse. Not argumentative. I'm standing on the truth. Here's what I want you to think about. What would you say about issue X, whatever it may be in your case, if no one was arguing with you? That's what the place I want you to come from. That's what I want you to ask yourself, right? What would I say about brain injuries if I wasn't trying to create an opposing argument, right, to what they're going to say? That's the space you need to get out of. We start there with H2H, your method, yes. But then you got to kind of shake off all of that argumentative energy around it and just create a principle that stands on its own. It's the thing. It's argumental, argumental, argumental. No, what's the word? Argumental. You know when you see a word and it doesn't look like it's the right word? Anyways, I'm reading that. Argumental energy. That's what we're looking for. That's the sneaky way a defense point can end up either in a funnel or tinging the funnel. And we want to have clear, foundational, strong plaintiff principles that stand on their own. I hope that's helpful. Talk to you next week. If you're looking to master your craft and win at trial, I created an intensive training just for you at a special all-day event where you'll learn how to find the jurors who will solve your problems and help you win without resorting to gimmicks or manipulation. Join me live if you want to level up with your voir dire skills. Go sign up at sorryswears.com forward slash VD. Sorryswears.com forward slash VD. I know you have a million things on your plate, so do it now. You'll thank me later, I swear.